1: This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride. And today, I'm joined by Dave Prentice, Adam Jones and Gav Buckland, as we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park. And, of course, as ever, plenty to get our teeth stuck into. And, of course, we will mainly be looking back at an important top four elevator. 18 victory at West Brom last night. A narrow one. Not very pretty, but very effective, even if for a couple of hours at least. Um, So we will go through that, sift through that game and the talking points. um, And of course, look ahead to Monday night's trip to Chelsea. Um, Preno, we got there in the end last night, 1-0, Richarlison, the man of the moment. Um, But as the clock ticked past the hour mark, were you confident we'd find a way through? I wasn't no, but maybe we should start having more
0: confidence in Carlo now, because uh, how many times has he done this? And basically, of us all you know all napping. It was a patchy performance at best. You know, we started badly, you know. We allowed West Brom to get a bit of momentum, and things weren't going particularly well. But then he changed the shape, uh, you know, put a diamond formation in midfield. That gave us a measure of control. But one of those changes he made bore fruit within. Was it like 35 seconds or something? You know, So he threw Guilfay Sigurdsson on. He told Lucas Dean to go away from the corner. And that little bit of quality you know, just made the difference. So yeah, maybe we should. You know, so just have more faith in Carlo. Um, ahead of the game, I was really confident about this match because I saw West Ham against Brighton last weekend and they were poor. Brighton should have absolutely blown them out of sight. And that confidence just went over the first 20 minutes. Uh, Andre Gomez wasn't at it. Decore was a little bit you know, in and out. The two wide players just weren't really influencing it at all. Um, and it was, it, it was difficult to see where we were going to get a goal from. But, like I say, Carlo spotted this as well. He made changes. Uh, he affected those changes very quickly. And we got a massive result. Can't underestimate how important that result is uh, in terms of the momentum it takes us, the confidence it takes going into a really tough game on Monday. And even just fleetingly getting into that top four, it just makes you think that little bit more optimistically about the rest of the season. So, uh, no, I didn't see it coming, but, you know, I'm glad it did. And uh, maybe we should be behind Carlo a bit more in the future.
1: I'd, um, Carlo mentioned beforehand that it would be important just to touch top four, and, and we did for a couple of hours before Chelsea's victory at Anfield. But as Prenos said, uh, do, you know, do you agree psychologically, uh, even even as a bit of a statement to the rest of the league, it, it was
2: important on the night we had the ability to go for, we took it. Yeah, I think that's really crucial, isn't it? Because it's probably not just this season, over the last couple of years as well, we've had these kinds of opportunities in the past. You know, you think back to start of last season when we played Aston Villa in that game, you're thinking, oh, if we win, we go top of the league. And, you know, even back then, it would have been a psychological boost for us to be able to achieve that. But, you know, time and time again, over the last couple of years, we've kind of, fell at the last hurdle when it comes to those type of games so just to be able to finally move past that in this game i think we will well it should hopefully be a huge psychological boost to the side because you know it's something that we said uh just before the southampton game as well you know it's all all well and good getting these big results against you know the likes of liverpool but your season really comes down to you know when you're chasing you know the top four or even just european places your season comes down to these type of matches, you know. When you're playing against uh, the likes of West Brom away or Southampton at home, if you can't pick up uh, six points out of matches like that, then you're not going to be able to finish in those Champions League places, especially with the amount of teams that are going to be chasing those spots in the league uh, this season. So, you know, it was, um, it's going to be a massive psychological boost for Everton to just, you know, it wasn't the best performance as Prano was saying. You know, it was it was a uh, was pretty lacklustre at times. I, w- I would. Uh, probably so over the course of the 90 minutes, but at the end of the day, it's another three points in the bag. And, you know, we we so often say uh, about football that, you know, the best teams win when they're not playing at their best. And that seems to be what Everton are doing at the minute, which is uh, which is quite promising in a way when you look at it, because, you know, obviously Ancelotti knows that his team aren't playing some great football at the minute, but it just stands the reason that when they are playing good football again, hopefully, the results will continue to flow. So, yeah, it, it, will have, it will have been nice for those you know couple of hours for those players in the dressing rooms to see them up in fourth and, you know, hopefully it should give them a bit of motivation going to the sides that eventually knocked them out of that fourth position on Monday, you know, go and beat them and you know reclaim that place. Gav,
1: is Prenner right in saying that we just need to have a little bit more trust, more trust than we already have in, in Carlo to... to, to to get us through these games,
3: uh, yes. Um, said all along this season, that I think if you're an experienced, you need to be an experienced manager in the circumstances that the season's being played. Carlo has that experience and, and knowledge of being. I don't know how long he's been a manager now. Is it thirty years? No, I don't know. Twenty years? Twenty odd years? Um, so yeah, absolutely trust them um, to 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 make the right decisions. Um, which is not, ha- not necessarily happened all the time, but um, I think what he's been good at, I think, by and large, is there's been some really good substitutions this season, and you saw that yesterday. It's quite obvious that, that the midfield wasn't balanced at the start of the game. I mean, you've got four players there, I think three of them are probably, what we say, you know, attacking flair players, including Gomez in that, and Zacora's box. The box is another natural, what you call a ball winner within that, and I think we suffered as a consequence. It was misshapen, wasn't working effectively. Um, and so we corrected that with Alan, and then uh, Sigurdsson, we just needed somebody with a bit of, bit of craft, a bit of, you know, a bit of imagination. Um, and he got that as well. I mean, Sigurdsson, he's, he's a funny one, Sigurdsson, isn't he? He's, he got ace. I don't want to bring assists into it, but I will do. I think yeah. it's last eight games is it? Is it three goals, five assists, something like that? You know, we yeah. produced at the big moments. And um, this week, I mean, let's face it, he's made both goals, hasn't he? Um so it's been a you know it's been good to see that. Um yeah, but you, you've got to trust, you've got to trust Carlo with his experience and where with all in the these matters to change things around. Um and that you know, and this is the thing, isn't it? You know, we're getting it to the business end of the season and the difference. You know the difference between having Carlo and previous managers. you he knows he's got. You he know he's got the experience and knowledge and how to manage it, even in these like sorts of difficult times. And um, so that that brings even more trust, doesn't it? You've got to I mean, it's one of the reasons why you know you would appoint him, isn't it? Because you you trust them. Right, that's why you, you you buy players that maybe you wouldn't give. You know, would you buy to a twenty-nine-year-old, twenty-seven-year-old, and as Rodriguez? Would you trust another manager with those three players? You're backing them there, aren't you? So, yeah, you've got you've got two, and um, more importantly, I think the players trust them as well, don't they?
1: Well, on, on that Prenna, I think I think Carlo had, had sort of fleetingly mentioned in the in his pre-match presser about rotation and, and rotation is important to play, keep players fresh, mm-hmm. but also keep them motivated. And that and that feels to me as though one of his big successes so far, you know, so far as as we as we hit 26 games. He's keeping the squad motivated. I think it's been, you know, I think that only comes has to only come with the experience that he has.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't disagree. I mean, I don't think any of us saw that starting lineup coming. Not for the first time. I mean, only two changes, and you know, Bernard and Ewerby being the two that came in. That you know, you certainly wouldn't have guessed that uh, before the match. Josh King once again couldn't get further than the bench for like five minutes. So uh, you know, I, I, we, we couldn't quite see the bottom of that. But Gilfie Sigerson's post match interview was interesting again. You know, he almost underlined what you said there about the faith that the players have in him. Uh, and lo- numerous other players have referenced it the fact that he's won everything in the game, therefore, they need to listen to what he has to say. And it was almost like a, like a, a photo fit of how Carlo anticipated the game going from what Gilfie was saying. You know, he knew they were going to defend deep. We he knew we'd have to be patient. We'd have to probably a set piece might settle us. And, you know, the manager's saying these things to the players pre-match, and it doesn't sound particularly inspiring. But when that actually plays itself out, and these things do happen, they start to think, well, yeah, he's right actually. You know, what he's saying does work here. So you know, when he names his team for Monday night, and he throws a curveball, and that we're not expecting, and a player starts the game that we're not expecting to start. There's faith in that decision-making process. It doesn't always work out that way. Um, I'm thinking back to you know the infamous Newcastle game. and I've mentioned it before on these podcasts. When uh, The Newcastle game at home where we drew 2-2. When um, Newcastle had just scored, uh, the Everson took the centre, played it back, and it went to Fabian Delph. And rather than roll it back to Jordan Pickford to waste 30 seconds, put the ball into touch and the whistle goes, he launched it forward at Calvert-Lewin because the manager exhorted him to do so. And afterwards, you know, Fabian Delph said, I wish I'd done what I wanted to do rather than the manager, because, you know, we might not have dropped those two points. But they listened to the manager and it went wrong. But I can't think of another occasion since then where he's made a bad call, where it's actually, you know, sort of not come off, even to the point of telling Lucas Dean to get away from that corner last night and let guilty Sigurdsson take it. You know, just, it worked. So all these instances, you know, sort of stack up and allow the players to have absolute faith in him. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's really reassuring to see. It's Going to be a stretch, you know, sort to keep that going until the end of the season. Some very tough fixtures still to come, but we're going in the right direction. That's all we can say. Got to be positive and you know, enjoy what we're seeing because it's much better than we were seeing this time last year.
1: And you've written about Sigurdsson, and, 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 and you know, in terms of keeping players motivated and, 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 and on edge and ready to come into the team and, and, and do as, as asked, there's probably no better example this season than Sigurdsson because I think. In the summer, I think many of us were, were fear, fearful for his Everton career. You know, we hadn't seen this new formation. You know, we'd be playing four He'd been playing in a deep midfield role. He made no secret the fact that he didn't like playing there. He didn't look a particularly happy bunny. Mm. But he's perhaps arguably never been more influential in a season. And I, I would even say perhaps even more influential when, when he scored 13 goals. Mm.
2: I think that's what made last season such a disappointment, wasn't it? I mean there was a lot of players that struggled last season, but I don't think any struggled more than Gilfie Sigurdsson, you know, to go from being the team's joint top goal scorer to, you know, floundering, you know, sort of on the fringes of the team, I would say, you know, struggling to fight for a place in the sides that wasn't even his, his preferred position. Uh, I, I think that was, that was quite disappointing for a lot of Everton fans to see. And obviously over, as you quite rightly say, over the summer, I don't think, Anybody would have argued if Everton would have tried to get Gilfie Sigurdsson out the door, to be honest, in the summer transfer window. But you know, as things have transpired over, well, probably recent weeks and months, uh, more than anything else, you know, we've introduced that sort of number ten role almost back into the side over the over the last few weeks. And you know, Sigurdsson, fair play to him, he's he's absolutely thrived. He's always somebody that, even when he was playing in centre midfield, he was always someone that Ancelotti. Clearly trusted, and you know, obviously, really, he really likes putting him into the team. You know, he obviously thinks he's got a lot of quality, but I think Sig- Sigurdsson it, can only really produce that quality when he's at that end of the pitch. You know, I think uh, he's always had that, you know, delivery from the set piece, uh, but I think it's his open play assists that have really, uh, that have really got me so far this season. You know, his couple against the uh, Spurs in the League Cup, I thought were were really strong and his one against Southampton, of course, on Monday was really strong as well. And it's you know, it was that kind of thing that we were really missing from Sigurdsson last season. You know, he was he wasn't really getting into those areas around the edge of the box to either, you know, have a crack himself or to try and thread the ball through to one of the attackers. And I think that's probably what the side was missing a little bit. And especially over the last couple of games, you know, with James Rodriguez being out, uh, we've needed somebody to have that little injection of creativity and fair play to Sigurdsson. He's he's absolutely stepped up and he's taken that responsibility on for himself. And, uh, you know, I I think that is really interesting to see. You know, he's he's somebody who's got, at the end of the season, he'll have a year left on his current contract, really. So, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see what kind of happens with him in the future now, because he's still Everton's club record signing. You know, he's... As you say, and I, I would probably agree with with uh, 15 goal involvement. I think he's got so far this season. Now six goals, nine assists. You know he's he's proven himself to be as influential as ever uh, over the course of his Everton career. So you know what to what to Everton do? They're probably not going to be able to get a decent fee for him. Is it is it a case of trying to give him another year or two uh, on a on reduced terms uh, after after the end of next season? It's going to be. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens but I think there's a lot more Everton fans warming to the idea of Sigurdsson staying here now and that's testament not just to Carlo Ancelotti finding a system that, uh, that suits him but for Sigurdsson in, in terms of you know not, not giving up uh, giving his all for the team and making sure that he is an influential member of this squad still.
1: The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, definitely interesting to see what happens with Sigurdsson in sort of 15, 16 months' time, isn't it, at the end of his deal? And I think he'll be sort of 32, maybe 33 going on in that direction. So interesting to see what he wants to do uh, at that stage of his career as well. Um, but Gav, a, a word for Richarlison and, and and talking about Carlo Ancelotti's motivational techniques. He's not a manager <laughs> to public publicly criticise players, but following the Newcastle game, when he... He made quite clear that Richardson had to work harder. That was as close to a uh, rollicking as you'll get from Carlo in, in public. <laughs> but he "It's it certainly had the desired effect."
3: It has. I think. Um, I think there's there's two things going here. There's the the, the Carlo uh, Carlo criticism, and also it's it's the system we're playing now, aren't we? You know, um, but we played over the last few games, and we spoke about this before the derby. You know, I spoke about about playing two up top. And I think he, he, you get the impression, I mean, I mean, Richardson played wide left, hasn't he? We played 4-3 three, three wide left. I, I like him, I like his pace, I like what he brings defensively, and um, he can still score goals, but he's obviously, I think he must prefer down the middle uh, a little bit, or just left-hand side of, it's a little bit on the left hand side. Um and that gets him more involved more and gives him a great opportunity to score, I think more, more more actively involved in the game. And we've seen that, haven't we? Over the last last three or four weeks. He's scored four last four Premier League games or something like that. Um mm-hmm. scored two against Tottenham. And a lot of them are good finishers as well. Not topping's ins where his quality. So I think it's Carlos words and changing the system. I think to to shoot them, and also um, what that brings into play. If you play like 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 the diamond last night or so four two three one, it also brings Sigurdsson into into play. Then doesn't it? But uh, you don't get Sigurdsson playing four three three really effectively. The byproduct of that though is, Phil, is that are you getting the best out of Carver Lewin by doing that? he probably does prefer playing on a four three three, where you've got width out wide and people can get with the ball in, and you know, as you say, you, said, uh, you know, he's really effective at getting getting goals in the six-yard box, which you're likely to do in the four-three-three three, than a than well, 4, that,
1: four it, 2 it, It's almost yeah, it's a good point, Gav, Because I was thinking about this. It's almost like it's been it's been the balance because I think actually the, between the pair of them have, have only ever scored in the same Premier League game if I re- remember rightly once this season. And that yeah. was at Palace, and it was, was Charles from penalty. And it does feel as though the system suits one more than the other. And I think Carlos yeah. alluded to the fact that. When Richarlison plays left wing, effect, effectively, he finds it harder to to
3: create yeah. and, and get opportunities. And that's Calvert-Loon. That's who's Calvert-Loon. <laughs> when loon When Richarlison plays through the middle, that doesn't suit Calvert-Loon. But we probably get the best out of Guilfi in that system. And um, it's it's an incest one. There's a little bit of... Uh, I'm trying to think of... Um, and a, a, I think do you remember the year Newcastle finished fifth, I think Denver Bar and Papi Cisse both got like 20 goals each, but neither of them scored in the... The same game you know um, and there's a little bit of that at the moment so it's an interesting one i personally if it were me and Ca- i'd play to the charleston sense rather than calvert lewin because i think he's a fa- i think he's a better player simple as i mean then fully focused i've said this before fully focused with charleston is our mm-hmm. best player mm-hmm. our most important player and uh i, I-, I- and that he'd be he'd be the one I'd maybe try to get the most of more and get Carver Lewin to, to fit in with that. Um he looked far more solid as a consequence, I think. So yeah, it's an interesting one, but he's his top player with Charleston, isn't he? Well he you know he will become a top player if he carries on. But he's great uh, mm-hmm. to the same score and goals so at right time as well, right time of the season.
1: Absolutely, here here. Preno, um last night's win took the Blues on to forty six points last season, at the end of 38 games, they only finished 49. I mean, huh. many signs of progress, but it just struck me as, as, as quite a nice, you know, concise figure, to, pair of figures to compare the, of, of how, how much progress has been made. And is that progress, in your opinion now, with 12 games to go, um, consolidated into a genuine top four challenge?
0: Uh, I'm not sure about that. I mean, the the statistic that really jumped out for me was uh, we've now got more points at this stage of the season than we had in the Roberto Martinez 2013-14 campaign, was it, where, you know, we finished up with the record Premier League points tally and again, just missed out on the top four, uh, you know, being pipped to it by Arsenal. Uh, But I I can't remember exactly, I know the Crystal Palace game, you know, uh, threw us over in that season. Uh, But we finished the season relatively strongly whether we can finish this season as strongly, we still need to find out. Because the one quality that we've missed this season is consistency. And we've started to get it now, you know, with the, the last you know three games, clean sheets, victories. But, you know, does that equate to consistency three matches? I don't think it does. That's just like a, a little, you know, short span. We need to do that over six games and seven games, you know, go to Stamford Bridge on Monday and not lose. And then, you know, so win the game after that, that kind of thing. Um, I still think top four is probably going to be a bridge too far. I think you know most realistic Evertonians you know, would accept that, but it doesn't stop you from getting excited and dreaming about the possibility of it. You know, when you see results like we're getting at the moment, they're like going to Anfield and you know, running there. Imagine everyone wins there now, don't they? But uh, you know, so get, get, getting results like that, and then um, you know, so the optimism I can build going forward into other games. So I don't know. All, all I can say to give it like decent perspective is, you know, we are on the right path and we are significantly better than where we were last season. Um, we've only had, you know, one really effective transfer window from Carlo. Uh, you know, so once he gets another, you know, two or three players in, that he wants to add to that squad, if we can do that this summer, then hopefully we'll see, you know, significant improvements again. Maybe he's ahead of the game at the moment. Maybe, you know, so his progress has actually taken him by surprise and he's a little bit further ahead than he expected to be at this time. But he's not the kind of manager that will seek to lower those expectations and say, "Hang on a minute, let's be sensible." You know, so we shouldn't be looking at the top four. He's at the uh, you know cut from the cloth that says, "Oh, why shouldn't we?" You know, so we're there. Let's go for it. And I like that. That's refreshing, and that you know so rubs off on everybody else around the football club. So yeah, a lot of excitement at the moment, and you know, long may it continue. Hopefully, from Monday and beyond.
1: Yeah, I was I was going to make that the next question, and and Car. Preno's sort of alluded to it there, about, about Carlo's clear excitement. You know, <laughs> we, we we covered his press conference last night after the game. Obviously, I was down at the Hawthorns, but yeah. um, he, he's, not, he's not trying to sort of hide or temper that excitement. We went forth and he's thrilled about it. You know, he yeah. genuinely, it feels like there's been a shift for me. He, you know, a few weeks ago, he was saying, look, it's, it's the dream, but we think it could be difficult, maybe complicated. It feels like he's changed his tune.
2: Yeah, I feel like the belief is probably seeping through to him as well. I mean, the he was just absolutely delighted in part of that press conference. I think the bit of the press conference that got me was when there was a bit of a lull and he was asking what the Chelsea v Liverpool score was, and uh, it was it was just after, Vernon had scored and like he didn't realise it had been disallowed, so he got told that Chelsea were winning and he was like, "Oh no, we've been we've been knocked out of fourth place," and you can you can see he was like jokingly like really disappointed about it, but you know that that's that's the kind of that's the kind of thing that Evertonians want to see isn't it because you know obviously over the over the last few weeks and I think it was important for Carlo Ancelotti to be as he was a few weeks ago you know he was very very tempered in his response you know it was very it was very much yeah we we're doing this right now we need to do this in the future etc cetera, etc cetera. and there's still a sense of that obviously because you know the job's not done and you know Carlo Ancelotti he was, he was very much saying, you know, it's not just the Chelsea game that we've got to focus on. It's eleven games after that. We've got to—we've got to keep the focus on those, and uh, you know, we, we can see what happens at the end of it. But I think perhaps Carlo Ancelotti is being a little bit surprised at what, what, what his squad can put together. You know, you know, three, three, you know, battling results in a row, shall, shall we say? I don't think they were necessarily fantastic performances, uh, but you know, they've—they've they've shown. I think the, the phrase he used was like high spirit, something like that. You know, it, it, it's very, very spirited sort of performances that have got evidence where they are at the minute. And, you know, I was, if he can then build on that with some, with some better quality football and in terms of performances, then, you know, I think Carlo Ancelotti thinks there's every right to be excited. So it's, it is really good to see him, to see him, you know, smiling and happy after these results because you know, he's over the course of his time at Everton, he's not been one to, he's not been one to go over the top in terms of excitement or disappointment, uh, f- throughout a lot of games. So to see him like this, you know, a man with so much experience in in the game, you know, it's uh, it's really promising for Everton fans to see. I'd say. Absolutely, Gav, It was interesting. I was speaking to
1: uh, our mutual friend, Mister Mister Greg O'Keefe, during the game last night, and we were both oh. going. What? This, we're playing terribly. We're gonna to have to yeah. seriously, you know, pull up our socks and seriously improve our performances if we're gonna entertain this top four race beyond, you know, any, anything beyond this. But then we both almost simultaneously came to the realization how many times have we actually, mm-hmm. in inverted covers, played well this season? You know, been comfortable, won, won a comfortable margin, you know, n- not had to. Scrap and fight and, and show spirit, yeah. And it, less than a handful of times, I could think off the top of my head, and so you think to yourself, We've gone fourth and nev- haven't really played that well.
3: Yeah, well, I think you could, apart from Manchester City, you could probably say that about most teams, couldn't you? In the Premier League this season, which has, has helped helped us and it's helped other teams, hasn't it? Really, um, so I'm contractually obliged to say it's you know, it's not normal season and normal rules don't apply. Having said that, I think you're right. Um I think I think we have played well, but not necessarily reflected in the score lines. I mean, we played well at Wolves, didn't we? we Play well at Leicester, We well at Tottenham.
1: Oh, yeah. I
3: know what you're saying. Yeah. There's o- there's only the Brighton and West Brom games earlier you know? I mean, I think we conceded first and was a against uh, West Brom, was it? West Brom, yeah. yeah. Um, it's classic. In some respects, it's classic David Moyes 2004-05 <laughs> mm. Se- season, isn't it really, where you've, when you say see it... Now. Yeah, I've <laughs> said it, yeah. Well, you know what? I, you won't, this, I, this may actually not be typical, but I'm actually reasonably and positive I, about top four, and I see it's definitely been in the mix. Um, when you see the other teams around us, and you think, well, why not? Um, and I think Leicester probably look a little bit vulnerable at the moment, don't only they, because they've got a shed load of injuries. Um, so, um, but going back to you, yeah, we are. I mean, if you don't concede, it does not give you the chance. And defensively, we've looked okay. I thought we were a bit shaky on occasions last night, but we, we've not conceded for three games, have we? And that does not help that, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, um, you start well, off intensive. and you're not good. Go on, sorry, Gav. Go on. No, so if you start off thinking, but probably not going to concede more than one goal at the moment. With Godfrey playing in the middle of the back, then it uh, gives you the chance then, doesn't it? Mm.
1: It's an interesting point that actually, Preno. And you know, look, it's it's, it's a uh, a positive headache, as 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 we say in this game for Carlo. But what's he doing? Mina comes back because Godfrey is and has been for a long time undroppable. Yeah, but then Mina has actually had a very good season. Um, Godfrey can play left back it's difficult it, it seems like it's a balance to me and it's not something you want to upset because as Gav says, defending very very well at the moment and we're at the business end and if you don't concede you, you're always in with the, with that shout. It is I mean and I like to see the back
0: four as to being like the one constant in a team, if you get a back four that you're know, comfortable playing together well don't change it, don't mix it up because that's you know the area of the team the benefits from knowing each other's game inside out especially when you're you know defending zonally and all this kind of stuff that we do at set pieces. Um, ben Godfrey is undroppable, you know, he's got to play regardless of where that is. And I'm I'm reasonably comfortable with him moving back across to full back, you know, so roll right back uh, to allow Mina to come back in. Uh, Holgate's not done a great deal wrong, but you know, there are just like one or two moments he was involved in that early, you know, sort of penalty shot, wasn't he? You think, well, you know, so sort of maybe. Uh, but no, he's he's done well. Um, he offers more to us defensively than maybe Seamus does, but there were occasions last night when you thought, "Oh, Seamus would have been in that team. You'd have had the opportunity to bomb on there and give us like that bit more penetration." Uh, the bottom line is that he's got options, which is good, and we'll need them uh, because you know the games are coming thick and fast, as we've said, and you've got to try and mix that up a little bit. And bear in mind that we've won these last couple of games without James Rodriguez, you know, so without Tom Davis, who's been playing really well over the last few games. So, you know, it's like two significant members of a team you've been able to take out and, you know, allow to overcome little knocks. Obviously, Yeri Minas is more than just a little knock. Uh, But add Michael Keane into that undroppable as well, by the way. I think he's got an excellent season so far. And so Michael Keane and Ben Godfrey, wherever they play, well, obviously Michael Keane can only play in one position. But, you know, Ben Godfrey, wherever he plays, those two have to be in. And I'm reasonably comfortable, you know, with the others, like, you know, sort of mixing around a little bit. As it seems like Carlo is, he's, he's quite good with mixing the, uh, the squad up and rotating it a little bit and uh, I mean last night only, only eight players on the bench is that right rather than yeah. nine and, and two uh, goalkeepers yeah two goalkeepers none of him are Robin Olsen and a lot of, lot of kids as well it's uh, you know he's mixing it up a lot at the moment and it seems to be working so you know if it ain't broke don't fix it just keep doing
1: what he's doing The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo I do, uh, uh, Carlo's asked an um, interesting question by, uh, by Dom King of the Mail last night about, you know, did, did, did Carlo think that our rivals really considered us a rival and, and, and did he think that other teams would look at us and, and, and question our staying power? I mean, but, you know, I think, I think people perhaps from outside the club don't realise that, unfortunately, in, in, in recent history, you know, with 12 games to go, having gone fourth and still in the FA Cup, we haven't really experienced being at the business end of, of a season with, with plenty to play for. So the optimism internally is, is understandable. But do you think there is some scepticism from outside the club about Everton being genuinely in the mix for, 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 for top
2: four? I think there probably is. And I think it's probably down to the issue that we were discussing before, which is consistency. But, you know, I think it's, I think it's an issue that a lot of teams have struggled with over the course of this season, obviously. But, you know, we had... Everton going top of the league going into the first international break wasn't it and then we had that obviously pretty pretty poor like October sort of November period which saw them sort of drop back down again and I think that's probably still sticking in the minds of uh, many sort of pundits who are looking at the league in in a wider context and uh you know p- people will obviously see uh, <laughs> only having eight eight uh, subs on the bench yesterday two of them goalkeepers you know a couple of couple of teenagers again on the bench so you know people will be looking at the squad depth and thinking oh well if Everton get a couple of injuries here and there are they going to be able to cope etc but yeah I I think the optimism within the club is as you say quite rightly understandable because you know how many times over the last few seasons have we gone all right well so it's early exits from the cup we're recovering from what was an absolutely shambolic start to the season so we're starting on the back foot just trying to work our way back up to eighth or something like that to try and make it a respectable sort of campaign so to to, to find everton you know on the cusp of fourth as you say still in the fa cup as well even though it's a obviously very tough tie in the uh, in the next round of the fa Cup. but you know to, to still have everton in that in that competition at this stage and still be very much involved in the fight for europe i think that's that's got to have a uh, optimism quite high and i think you know I think eventually that will sort of emanate from outside the club uh, as well because you know, at the end of the day, it's Carlo Ancelotti at the helm this time. You know, he had a bit of a he had a bit of a patch up job on his hands when he came in and had to try and save Everton from again what was a shambolic start to, to last season. And you know, he, he very much did the job in that sense. So this is this is his first real attempt at trying to try and get Everton into into these European places. So surely that's going to you know, as we now go into the business end of the season, if Everton can just keep up this uh, this relative consistency that they've had over the last couple of weeks, at least they can just keep that up. As as Preno says, for maybe the next six or seven games, then I think everybody's got to start taking real notice of Everton. To be honest, because you know, Bar and you know, City away, Spurs at home, and obviously this this Chelsea game coming up, Everton's fixture list relatively isn't really that hard compared to some of the other teams who were up, up there and challenging. So, you know, with Leicester having a couple of really big injuries on their hands as well, could they be the ones who are maybe going to be looking over their shoulders? So, you know, if, if Everton can just keep up this consistency, then there's every there's every chance that we uh, could mount a real fight in these latter stages.
1: OK, then uh, Gav, we'll move on to Chelsea. Adam mentioned it there Monday night. Um... If I'm not mistaken, they're unbeaten under Thomas Tuchel, aren't they? Um, seems to be seems to have tightened things up. when know, we spoke about our good defence. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on that game generally um, head, of, head of Monday?
3: Uh, I haven't seen them last night. Um, tough game. I mean, after City, I mean, I know before that a lot lots of teams have struggled. I mean, Chelsea have struggled too, but obviously since uh, Thomas Tuchel come in, they've um, Tighten things up, and they look a very dangerous team. And watch them last night, and um, they've got some great individual talent. You can also see the effects of Tuchel's coaching. To be honest with you, in terms of how well they are with the ball, uh, passed the ball really well last night. And you've been you know the, as I say that the individual talent they have got, they've got a depth in the squad as well. And um, it's going to mean after after City, I would imagine Chelsea away is probably the toughest fixture you could have anywhere in the league at the moment and I think it's going to be a really tough game I mean it's uh, it's it's one that you take a draw all day long there really wouldn't you I, I, I take a draw as much as to stop them getting three points if you know what I mean I think that as much as anything else uh, so really tough game but on the, at the same time we you know what Ancelotti's main strength is against a big team City Keep it tight, wait for your moments to strike, and we've done that pretty well, you know, against the top six or seven teams away from home this season. And uh, I fully expect to see a game that's probably suited to him as a manager. But it's going to be very tough because they have got real quality, Chelsea, and they've got a they got a system that works for them at the
1: moment. Uh, agreement with that uh, with Gav there, I think it's um, you know certainly one of our toughest games of the season so far
0: it is but it goes back to what i said earlier about having trust and very of in carlo ancelotti and that's on the outside looking in i don't think anybody you know sort of nationally independent uh judges will be predicting anything other than a chelsea win because you know they're 100 under tuchel uh he's got them playing you know so a style of football that's you know suited to him as a manager and as Gavin says, they've got some real, you know, sort of top talent in there that can create something out of nothing, as they did last night at Anfield. But you just think that this is a kind of game that, you know, Carlo can produce another of those tactical masterclasses out, you know, where he will set his team up uh, in a disciplined fashion to defend very deep and deny space and prevent Chelsea doing what they do well. And then maybe rely, you know, on a, a set piece you know, uh, from Sigurdsson or from Hamed Rodriguez, should he be fit? you know, to actually create something. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility that we can go there and get something. I mean, people aren't anticipating this and maybe I'm not myself, but in the light of last night and in the light of, you know, so recent results, you know, where I've been preaching Trust Carlo, I'm beginning to try and convince myself that maybe we should do for this one as well. Uh, and we have been to Stamford Bridge in recent years. Uh, was it a couple of years ago when Yerry Mina made his debut? And you know, drew nil-nil, and looked fairly comfortable. I know this is like you know, two very different teams now, uh, but it's not an arena as such that should hold any air fears. Certainly, given the fact that it's empty, uh, and you know, and everybody's away form is so different this year. And look at the statistic now. Everton have now got the best away record. Gavin here very kindly supplied me with these the stats before the West Brom game. you know our away record now is the best at this stage of the season than it has ever been better even than 84 85 better than 69 70 better than this curious anomaly of a season in 1908 09 when uh, bizarrely you know (laughs) so we made a great start actually finished second that year um and then i think 1930 31 was the other one in the you know a second division season uh, which you know came quite close so it underlines this season as a curious one it's odd you know so a lot of teams are doing really well away from home but why shouldn't that continue? If that's being the case at the moment this season, you know, so why can't we go there, keep things tight, and frustrate them? It's going to be tough, of course it is, but it's not beyond the realms of possibility. It's not like, you know, going to face Manchester City right now, the way that they're playing, you know, and you you really wouldn't fear from anybody's chances, to be honest. So yeah, it's it's a possibility. You know, I understand why it's going to be very, very tough, but you know. Don't be totally down on the idea of everything going there and getting a results. If it is a draw, as Gavin suggested, that would be an absolutely godsend of a
1: result. Anything better, oh. we're going to win the league. <laughs> 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 okay, then, uh, Ad, we'll start with you uh, on this pod. Uh, what's your prediction for, uh, for Monday night, where you will be in the position at Stanford Bridge?
2: Yeah, looking forward to a little trip to Stanford Bridge. Uh... <sighs> Given given Chelsea's form, and as Gav rightly says, you know the, I don't think at the minute there's many there's many tougher apart from Man City. There's not many tougher places to be going there uh, in the Premier League at the minute. Still yet to lose under Thomas Tuchel, uh, they've got a lot of pace in attack, which is what particularly concerns me. Even though we do play you know quite a deep defensive line, I still think they're going to be able to exploit some gaps there. Uh, I'm going to go with a one-one draw, and I think that'll be pretty nice result for Everton if I'm honest Absolutely uh, Gav
1: well, how do you think it's going to go
2: I was going to say one all um... <laughs> <laughs> okay.
3: you know what I, I <laughs> think I'm going to go for the task that, uh, uh, Carlo Ancelotti classic Serie A going away to a big team and getting a goalless draw that serves <laughs> a purpose so I'm going to go with uh, the classic Italian away scoreline Club football of nil uh, nil and a terribly tight, freezing Stamford Bridge just to uh, make it feel better about going down there.
2: Yeah, thanks.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the the beautiful game in many guises. Um, yeah, <laughs> Prenno, I, I actually agree with Gavin. I think that would be. I think that's eminently possible. You know, Chelsea. I've got a lot of pace, but we defend deep and we defend yeah. deep very comfortably. Um, how do you see it going?
0: I was going to uh, replicate uh, Gavin's um start and go for nil nil, uh, but I won't tell be different. And just to make Adam feel even better, Stamford Bridge is one of my favourite away trips because of all those little coffee shops and all those pubs and all those places to visit, you know, around the ground.
2: And oh, they're all closed, Not, aren't they? None of, none of oh, which I can go to. Yeah. Oh, never
0: mind. <laughs> 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 It'll still be a good trip anyway. You'll enjoy it. <laughs> because I think that it will be a Carlo Tactical Masterclass who will absolutely suffocate the game. And I love that piece that you did earlier, Adam, about um, why we're doing so well away from home. And Carlo saying that it's because we were, we were scared, I think was the phrase he used, and worried about our away performances. So we focus even more, and we focus even more intently defensively and produce better disciplined defensive performances. So you're going to be scared about going to Stamford Bridge. You're going to be concerned. So you're going to focus even more. And I think that will be sufficient to grind up that clean sheet and then very similar to the opening day at Tottenham where we get a free kick on the left with about uh, half an hour to go and Gilfie or Dini, one or the other, bends a ball in and Calvert-Lewin gets on the end of us and we win 1-0. Wow and the rest of the country sits up and takes notice then
1: <laughs> I, do, uh, I do like the idea of, of Carlo sort of uh, maintaining that level of fear maybe by casually WhatsApping Timo Werner's highlights to, 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 to like ben, to Ben yeah. Godfrey or something you know
2: but,
1: yeah. okay good stuff well um, you know I think we're taking any of those results but particularly Prenos prediction of, of a 1-0 victory so we shall see uh, Adam is going down to Stamford Bridge Monday I'm covering the game also back at base So we've got you could on Monday and, of course, across the weekend as well. So thank you very much for listening, chaps. Thank you very much for your company. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.